Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dodges-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello, welcome to episode number 14 of the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dodges-Marmette. We have an incredible guest that you're going to meet on today's episode. We're here with Dr. Courtney Jordan-Beckler. Courtney is not only one of the most strongest, passionate, and dedicated people that I know, but she is a dear friend and soon-to-be neighbor. She has such positive energy that every time I see her, I leave our conversation feeling more inspired and happier, and I know everyone listening will experience that today as well. Courtney and I met over five years ago through school, through the wellness committee at our children's school, where we immediately bonded over our passion to improve the food served in the lunchroom cafeteria and also our desire to focus on a more holistic approach to wellness. She is a go-to and trusted resource for me on so many levels, and I love catching up with her over walks with our mini golden doodles and can't wait for her to be living in my neighborhood this summer. Courtney is a board-certified internist and cardiologist and focuses on the prevention of heart disease and behavioral change that supports overall well-being. She's held numerous roles over the last several years, including the vice president of the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing, which is a Alina Health's prevention, wellness, and clinical service line. She was the assistant commissioner of health and improvement for the Minnesota Health Improvement Bureau. And Courtney recently just took a new role at the Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation as their program director, where, where she will focus on women's cardiovascular research, prevention, and outreach. There are so many valuable insights that you're going to gain from today's conversation. Courtney talks about the integrative approach to medicine and how you can really heal a person, their whole being, by combining both Western and Eastern medical practices, and she'll share her own personal journey with that. She's also going to dive into how you can turn tragedy into something positive and the tools that you can use to help persevere when life throws you a curveball. You'll learn tips on how to thrive, not just survive each day. And this episode is going to leave you inspired to think of yourself first. And with that, let's get started. Welcome, Courtney. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you for spending time with us today. So Courtney, you have such an extensive background and a really unique career path within the medical field. Can you share a little bit about your journey and why you've taken this somewhat less than traditional path? Yeah, it's been a really interesting and super fulfilling path. Uh, you know, I went to medical school. I actually loved math and logic, um, but found I really enjoyed people. So real quickly got interested in the idea of being a doctor. I originally wanted to be an obstetrician. I was really interested in women's health, but felt like 
it was really only focused on reproduction and was interested in things beyond that. So got real interested in internal medicine and cardiology because I loved with cardiology, we have sort of these second chances. People sometimes have heart attacks. We put stents in or have ventricular fibrillation. We put defibrillators in and sort of this new opportunity to live a different type of life. And I loved that. But during my training, my intern year, I um, kind of realized how broken the system was. And I was nine months into my intern year practicing at Regions Hospital. And I had someone come in who was young and didn't have stable housing, didn't have money for medications, had high blood pressure. And two weeks later, um, so we saw the woman put her on medicine, sent her out. And then two weeks later, she came back at four in the morning. And there's a policy at that time when you have a patient come back uh, in the middle of the night like that, you have to, they don't count, count towards the cap of people that we have to admit. And so, you know, I kind of thought, what did I do wrong? How did I, I not get this right? And thought about, well, of course, like she was going to come back. She doesn't have a safe place to live. She doesn't have ways to get her medicines. She has a ton of stress in her life. She can't eat well. Um, and it just made me think about all the things that we weren't taught in medical school that really uh -huh. public health had the opportunity to bring. So it was at that time that I pursued a master's in public health and policy and epidemiology to better understand some of the root causes associated with living well. And I went on kind of an extended research path with all of this to study in different countries in Argentina and Finland and figure out other countries where they look at health differently than we do in the United States and see why that was. And then quickly, when I got out into practice in cardiology, I kept seeing relatively healthy women come in with chest pain, palpitations, and I would do what I was taught. I would do a stress test. I would do a Holter monitor or a variety of tests to, that were standard of care, and nothing would come up. And I would send these women away and they would come back saying, I still have these feelings, you know, and I realized that sort of on the macro level, a lot of what we're taught in Western medical schools can, can diagnose that disease state, that macro level of disease. But I knew these women were telling the truth. I knew they felt something, but I couldn't see it in the tools that I had. And that really led me to pursue integrative medicine and further training to understand really mind, body, spirit medicine. And then I found with other tools like acupuncture and mind, body medicine, these women got better. It wasn't in their mind, it was real, but the tools that I had from my training in Western med schools hadn't helped, you know? And so I subsequently led um, the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing, which at the time was the largest integrative medicine department within a health system in the country. And it was so rewarding to see truly how Eastern and Western medicine meet because that's what most of us want. Um, so that's been amazing. And then um, from that have led to a career with the Department of Health where I am now and serve in the assistant, as assistant commissioner with the goal of helping change how we look at things as a state and really do more prevention. And then ultimately leading to work now at the Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation, leading the Emerging Science Center there. That's all so fascinating. So yeah. I'm curious about when you worked in the state or that you're currently in the state department, yeah. um, how open is, is the state to Western meets Eastern medicine and functional medicine as a it whole? Is a 
Great question. We have a very long way to go that way. So um, in 2016, when I was with the Penny George Institute, we took the data that we had with acupuncture because we have a ton of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And we were able to change what Medicaid covers for acupuncture. So we had only been covering chronic pain, but we got 11 other conditions like headaches, um, uh, uh, nausea associated with pregnancy, different things that are well proven in the literature to be covered for the Medicaid population. But that's been about it. So um, we just, right now we have an opioid stewardship group that you know, you've know you all I'm sure heard of the chronic pain epidemic that's going on and sort of unfortunately as physicians, how many people we've gotten addicted to narcotics. Mm-hmm. And we, on a slot of about 20 people that are on that stewardship committee, there's room for one quote integrative or alternative practitioner. So it just gives you an idea. There's there's so much more room to go in terms and and particularly I think when we're dealing with challenging populations that have a variety of conditions that are you know unfortunately unfortunately difficult circumstances that impact their health like housing like we were talking about poverty all these other things that we just have to look at ourselves as whole being mind body and spirit not as just the physical condition so we've got some work to go at the state but I think um, there is a growing awareness and understanding that you can't cut someone at the neck and that we really are connected and you mentioned a couple times integrative medicine, and I know a lot of our listeners may understand what that is, but could you maybe just briefly explain um, for someone yes. not familiar yeah. the differences with Western medicine? Yeah. So to me, integrative medicine at its core is good medicine. You know, at one time we were treated or we were treated, we were taught as medical students to spend an hour taking, quote, a history and physical, meaning the first mm-hmm. time you met with a patient finding out really who they were. And I'll never forget um, when I did my second year of medical school or first year, whatever it was, when they are checking, um, they observe you while you do a mock history and physical. And I had somebody with back pain. I got points taken off because I didn't ask about their sexual orientation, right? And it just goes to show you how thorough. I mean, when was the last time that you were with the doctor and they spent an hour with you approaching your ankle injury or whatever the case was. You, you know, you're lucky to get 10 minutes these days, right? Um, but so one, that really is how we were taught. But two, integrative medicine has become this board-certified medical specialty, which um, gets into thinking of us as whole beings. Again, thinking about how our mind works, thinking about how, what we're eating, how we're moving, how we're connected with society spiritually how we are and physically and brings that all together and in my mind and you may get different definitions of this from different folks integrative medicine is the most broad way to look at us as mind body and spirit together and then within integrative medicine you have different pieces like functional medicine which is you know a more specific subset of looking at labs and other markers to give us ideas about the health of the body so but Integrative medicine is that more broad umbrella. So you, and you said you did a fellowship in integrative medicine? So I did what's called the National Institute of Health Physician Scientist track. Um, Uh And so it's through the NIH and it focused on primary prevention of chronic disease. So I had the opportunity, it started, you know, looking at heart disease and it turns out 
that the risk factors for heart disease are the same things that impact cancer, that impact Alzheimer's, that arthritis, all these things, right, share the same root causes. And through my studies and looking at other countries and places with different resources, it led me down the path of integrative medicine. So I had the opportunity to study and get to know um, with Mimi Guneri, who's really the grandmother, as I like to call, of integrative cardiology, which is really this um, focus of mind, body, and spirit specific to the heart. It's all really interesting. Yeah. Um, So... Moving on, I know that um, you've done a lot of, I know that everyone at some point in their lives has experiences tragedy, mm-hmm. some, some tragedies greater than others, some, you know, in all different forms, people experience tragedy. And um, I'm wondering what advice you have for people and how to take tragedy and turn it into something positive or what tools you can obtain or build to help you kind of persevere when life throws you absolutely or you find yourself in the midst of a horrible tragedy right so you know I would say first and foremost is your mindset and when tragedy seeks sort of what you envision for the future and what you want it to be. Because um, for me, I've seen many patients who've gone through very difficult tragedies and some of whom um, kind of it ends there. You know, they sort of become that tragedy. They become that we know how much it impacts disease states and makes it so much worse. And then others that you are like, how did this person, you know, do this? And Um, For me, having gone through very significant tragedies, one of which being um, the loss of my daughter, there was a part of me that very distinctively, um, and thankfully also I think having one child still living on earth, made me go, you know, what is the rest of my life going to be like? Is it going to end here? Or is it going to, am I going to think about the future? Certainly for those of us who've lost loved ones, that's what they would want for us, right? And then I think not just as a responsibility to my son, but as to myself, you know, I wanted to, to keep going on. I felt very thankful that at the time I'd been already practicing at the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing. So I was sitting and talking to patients constantly about how important nutrition is, how important self-care is, sleep, you know, different types of movement, all of these different pieces and how we heal. And then it was really an opportunity um, to put that to practice myself. And I think I had somewhat been doing that before, but that it really took it to a different level of what it would take to move forward. I also remember um, having a very informative um, conversation with a spiritual therapist who actually worked at the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing and had witnessed you know, tons of people go through disasters and tragedies and I had specifically sought him out you know of what do you what do you do now what's what's your advice and he was saying how I see people who turn inward they cannot recover from this and they sit in their child's room that died and do drugs the rest of their life you know you have to decide that that's not going to be you and I want to be clear that I'm not saying that that doesn't mean getting help because we all need help that way. 
And so I don't mean like some sort of willpower or something, but I do think that it really starts with a mindset of, I want to go forward. I deserve to live the best life I possibly can. The other great advice um, I got was to not compare that it's so natural to go, well, this is good, but how would it have been before this tragedy? And that's not, that's not reality. Like there, there is no, how would it have been, you know, this is how it is. Um, and that's been helpful, I think in, in moving forward. And, and lastly, and I remember this distinctively, it was either the second or third night after my daughter passed that someone had said to me that you will experience joy and sadness at the same time. And I, cause I thought I'm never going to laugh again. I'm never going to be happy again. And a group of my high school girlfriends were visiting um, whatever that second or third night. And we were all sitting around talking and having a glass of wine. And I remember all of a sudden I was laughing and I thought it's happening. I am devastated. I did not know, you know, what that next day and those couple of days were going to be like, and here I am truly laughing and in that moment experiencing joy. So just recognizing you can have both at the exact same minute. And I think it's important to note um, that you don't need to feel guilt over that joy because right. I think that, you know, I actually, I lost a nephew. Um, so I went through a personal tragedy with my brother who lost a child. And yeah. I think that you can see where people can go into themselves and feel like they need to be punished. Yeah. That they don't deserve to live a happy life. Mm -hmm. and, um, so yeah. I, I think it's important to recognize that you're never necessarily going to forget. You're always going right. to remember and you're always going to feel that pain and sadness, but it is okay yep. to feel some joy. Absolutely. I think that's critical and it doesn't make you a better mom or aunt or whatever the case is, if you're sad more often, or, you know, I think that's huge. I, um, there's a condition that actually we're actively researching at the heart Institute, um, called broken heart syndrome or stress induced cardiomyopathy. It basically looks like you're having a heart attack and it's often after a tragedy or sometimes occasionally can be after a very positive thing, but basically a bunch of catecholamines are released and, um, your heart looks, it fails temporarily. And I have talked with patients who have had this happen and we've had these interesting conversations when it did and didn't happen. I have this weird belief that you often study, you almost, you often die from what you study. So when my daughter passed, I thought, oh my God, this can happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this heart failure thing. And this one patient of mine that's had this happen twice, but not when her husband died, asked me, did you feel guilty? when it didn't happen to you. And it's so interesting that there is this natural, like, did I, does this say like I didn't care enough or did I not love her somehow? I, you know, like these just weird things that pop in your head that obviously are not true. But um, to your point, like you can't feel, when you experience joy, you can't feel bad or whatever the outcome is. Yeah, that's such good advice. And you know, if when someone does go through something tragic and they are finding themselves pulled into that dark place, right? What, you know, I don't know, what tools or strategies could they use to kind of focus on that mind, body, spirit connection and the yep. ability to heal on both the physical and the emotional and mental level? Yep. 
So I think it's a lot of self-discovery. I mean, I can tell you certainly what worked for me. Um, one of the most impactful things for me was massage. Um, and this will sound so weird. I've told a few people this, but so, you know, I think sometimes when you go through something so difficult that you're just feeling hollow inside, it's normal as human beings to need to experience touch, but you know, something about a massage therapist, um, sort of bringing you back into your body, but I'll never forget going to, um, the Southdale mall and, um, dragon city, the little massage therapy place there (laughs) and how amazing it felt, um, to be getting massage, which has always been therapeutic for me, but with the noise of the mall, because it felt like what was going on in my brain the world was still moving and spinning and people were still going on. So I could hear all these conversations, but I was so out of it that there's something to me about physical touch like that from a massage that is so therapeutic. So that was hugely impactful for me. Um, You know, acupuncture and um, Qigong was very, and it has been documented to be very helpful that way, where that gets again to that micro level of, how do we align our body? And that was a huge release for my grief and um, just, you know, anxiety after that. Um, I didn't feel like for me an antidepressant or anxiolytic medicine was right or what I needed, but certainly they can be for um, folks in the right situation. But that Chinese medicine and acupuncture was really a way to align all of me. Um, and then nutrition, I think, can be really, really, really impactful. I found out for that nutrition was one of the biggest things that kept me from hitting the lowest lows each day, that it just would kind of bring that bottom up a little bit. So, so can you quickly explain, yeah. in case somebody doesn't know, just very briefly, what is Qigong? Yeah, so Qigong is energy work. And some, um, you know, there's a variety of different people in the community that do Qigong work. Um, But again, um, so I was fortunate and had this amazing Chinese medicine healer who did Qigong as part of the acupuncture treatment. And so, um, I mean, I could feel currents running through my body and just a sense of warmth and alignment um that was really helpful but um again so it's just helping your overall chi um in your body align that's fascinating that's so fascinating Um, and such good information i don't think you know when people are going through something tragic this is not what you initially hear right it totally yeah i'll come over and bring a bottle of wine which is great we all need that that's what we want to do but the the self-care and the healing through these different modalities is so Impactful. And you yeah. hear how much people carry tragedy in their bodies. Yeah. You know, here you carry it in your hips and you carry it in your gut and all these different places. And so, you know, it sounds like the therapeutic mas- massage and the Qigong and some of these modalities were really able to help you kind of release some Absolutely. of that out of your physical body. And heal. The other thing I would add to that, I had specifically looked for um, a therapist that could do EMDR, which is basically Uh a way for your body to process PTSD. And kind of, they often do it with tapping. So one, I never um, needed it in her opinion, but 
what was interesting was she was saying that basically any type of movement that you're doing where you're consciously going through the event, if it is an event like that, um, will help is essentially EMDR. And I did a ton of walking and a ton of yoga where it was very slow and I was reliving those things. But I think that that's how it helps you process, like you're saying, and really heal, not make it go Mm -hmm. away, but make it a smaller whatever rock in in your shoe or all of that kind of stuff. Well, it's addressing the root and not suppressing the symptoms of the grief and the trauma with with other, and again, not that there's anything wrong with the medicines and things like that. Right, right. So switching topics a little bit on a later note, I'm going to officially show everyone what a wellness nerd I am these days with this question, but in all of your experiences and all the different roles you've had, um, have you met any sort of famous, I'll say celebrities, because I literally consider these people celebrities like Dr. Mark Hyman or Dr. Andrew Weil, and if so, what insight maybe you gleaned from them on the future of medicine or just healing yeah. the entire system? Yes. So I have been fortunate and I have met Mark Hyman and I have met Andrew Weil. Um, That is so amazing. I'm so (laughs) jealous right now. Yes. Yes. I also met the Dalai Lama and um, yes, um, it was at this really cool forum at the University of Wisconsin. I'm trying to remember it was, you know, it was, I think it was around technology and its role in medicine and stuff. But, um, and why can I not remember? Oh, I met Ariana Huffington that same time. And wow. So wow. I that I was, you know, with Ariana Huffington and the Dalai Lama in the same moment. It was pretty, pretty That's unreal. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I think it's neat to see all of those folks in their element, you know, to see what they do and how they respond and what they're eating and all of those things, you know, um, but that they're real people um, and, you know, that everybody has an angle that they're trying to take with all of this work to, you know, to, to get different points that are super important across. So, but it was, it's neat. It's just fun to um, have met those folks. I did a Huffington Post article a lot at that time. I can't even remember what it was about, but so it was fun to be a part of all of that. Cool. Very fun. So we'd love to leave our listeners with a practical tip that they can implement kind of into their lives immediately. What is one thing that you would love for our listeners to walk away with today? So if there was only one thing I would have you do, it would be to um, think about yourself first, which I think is so hard, particularly for all of your female listeners out there we tend to think of ourselves last. And there, I mean, it cross cuts all the areas that I've ever worked in. The work at the state, the work at the clinic, you know, all through residency training, social determinants, you name it. We tend to think of ourselves last. And the best thing we can do um, as moms, as leaders, is to teach the people around us that you've got to put your oxygen mask on first, and then you can be there for everyone else. Exactly. And you know, I use that analogy all the time, getting on the airplane and they always tell you, put the oxygen mask off first in the event of an emergency before helping your child, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Exactly. Exactly. And I completely agree with that. Um, So Courtney, to kind of close out the interview, there's one question that we like to ask all of our guests. 
and that is what does the art of living well mean for you? So for me, that means that you're truly thriving and not just surviving. I think um, there's a lot of us out there that are just kind of going through the motions of each day or waiting till Friday or waiting till for the weekend. Um, just the other day, in fact, yesterday, my son was saying, why does everybody hate Monday? And I said, well, you know, I think some people and here he's nine thinking of this already. Right. And I said, you know, I think that people who don't like their jobs or don't like what they're doing, I said, I really like Mondays. I feel refreshed after the weekend and ready to go. Sometimes Wednesdays, I might be dragging a little bit more because it's midweek, you know, and it's still not a hate or anything, but I think just, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself. But so that for me is definitely a mantra of like, how do you make each day matter? Um, and make it feel like you're really thriving. Okay. That's funny because both of us are Monday people. Yeah, both see? That's <laughs> I, I literally just did a post on this about Mondays. And I think if I, you know, you'd mentioned people not maybe liking their jobs. And back in my corporate days, I did dread Mondays most of the time. Right. And now I can't wait for Mondays to come. So. See, isn't that fun? Yeah, yeah. it's all about it balance. Fun. Yeah. Exactly. And it's great advice. I love how you said truly thriving and not just surviving because I think there are so many people out there that are just surviving. And if, yeah. It's you know. just not worth it, right? Like, anyway, you never know. Yes. We never must know. So I got to make it worth it. Exactly. Such great advice to leave our listeners. And thank you so much for your time today, Courtney. It was such an inspiring conversation. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah. You too. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Marnie and I just created our private Facebook group, and we're inviting each of you to head on over to Facebook and join this new community. We're so excited about it. We really created this group so we could connect with our listeners and form our tribe as we go, as we grow. And um, this group is really meant to be a safe space for our members to connect and support one another. You may laugh, cry, and really provide opportunities for everyone to grow. That's one of the, I think, benefits of the community is to have the connections and the accountability. And you'll even have direct access for Q&A with both of us. Um, so we're just so excited about it and we're really hoping that you'll join us on this adventure. So head on over to Facebook and search the Art of Living Well podcast private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.